14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And tonight we're talking about something where from a very young age I encountered something involving leather and whips, and it's stuck with me ever since. Of course, I'm talking Castlevania. It's a gateway drug. really is. Leads <laughs> So at this point, you can tell people who, uh, which of us have not played a Castlevania game. That would be me. I was going to say, Patrick didn't know it was a game a couple of days ago. <laughs> True. Which blows my mind. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, so we are going to talk about Castlevania, the history of it uh, from the origins on the NES and the uh, Super Nintendo and all those other games. And then uh, talk about the Castlevania Netflix show that is on its fourth and final season i think yeah final yes yeah all right thanks for coming folks do <laughs> <laughs> so you like final anyone, things anyone no one yeah i, I was like i was waiting like, somebody say something so i can uh if you oh. like awkward silences you'll probably <laughs> find <laughs> If you like awkward silences followed by scatting, you shouldn't find any on the shows on Geek Life Radio, <laughs> such as the Anime Trap House, HTML All the Things, the Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, the Smorgasbord. Dun, 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 dun. What? I was just preemptively telling you, no, that's not it. Oh. I mean, he's not wrong. Ne- never mind that, I guess. I'm... <laughs> I, I'm going to inform everybody, do not Google awkward silence and scatting. <laughs> oh, not you, what, you don't get what you think you're going to get. Yeah. I was hoping for some hip tunes. I did not get that. Scatting has two meanings. <laughs> That's a double word. Yeah, if you're looking for more of this, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are on Podbean, Blueberry, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Podcasts. And if you want to give us a call. And let us know what you would like to hear us talk about. Give us a ring at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. He says, do we have any calls? Uh, Who knows? <laughs> I should know. <laughs> yeah. But if also, if you want to join the join the conversation, uh, we are on Discord. If you click the Contact Us button on our Facebook page, you'll take you to the Discord channel where you get an invite. And you can talk about... Uh, let's see. What's some things that we've talked about today? Food. Yeah, a lot of food. There's a whole channel for food now. Yeah, we got a channel for food. We're talking about the upcoming Borderlands movie from uh, Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Yeah, discussing the characters that are coming after that. We're just general uh, chat, and uh, you also get to have a little bit of input on what shows we have coming up because we have a show ideas channel that we talk about things that may or may not work. So. And just random memes. Speaking yeah. of things that don't work, I haven't been checking the voicemail. We've had one since May third. Oh. Yikes. Whoa! Color me surprised. Did color Josh bad? I'm that was a follow up to that band. It was not a good. <laughs> it was just Josh going, "Want to play D and D?" So, are we getting the voicemail? Or are we? I don't know what's happening. We are now. not. <laughs> so, <come laughs> I don't know if you remember. It's quite a process to there's, get there's... the voicemail going. Well, that's what I, said. I was asking. Like, are we taking a break to get the voicemail? Like, oh. Are we going offline or are we continuing to record? Not at all. You'll hear that. Come back next week to hear the voicemail. <laughs> no, Sorry, Brian the Wine Guy. Oh, poor oh, Brian. Uh, it's it's worse because it was time sensitive. This isn't going to make any sense. But it wouldn't have made sense tonight either. Well, as long as we keep it in theme. We'll pretend that it made sense next time. Good point, Brian the Wine Guy. 
I'm not. I'm Joel. Are you? Maybe. Can you prove that? I have my driver's license. He's Joel the wine guy. It's just spelled differently. <laughs> yeah. That's that's accurate. On that note, I think it's about that time. Jesus gonna, Christ, is it, it ever? It's 100%. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. <laughs> That, that was like was... a demented demon child doing an Elmo impression. <laughs> there was like a little, uh... there's like a little bit sinister underlying that impression right there. It's like yeah. and, and, sports. and in, sports. Instead, you actually got a sinister man child, a la Woody Allen. Ew. <laughs> All right. So this week's this weekend is going to be July seventh, two thousand seventeen, the premiere of the Castlevania Netflix series. <laughs> So music, yeah. Uh, the number one song in the land was Despacito by Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee featuring Justin Bieber. God, that I, thing turned into a meme. I gotta admit, I kind of like that song. I'm I not kinda, entirely kinda, sure I've heard that song. You definitely have. It's no, I was just saying, you've heard that song. If you have kids who watch YouTube, you've heard that song. Or if you've uh, ever like watched a commercial or, or just anything, like, say, it's, it's 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 used in just about everything. Like if there's you've ever watched any kind of a live event, it has been over the speakers at some point. Right. Is that the one that Biden played on his phone? Yes. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, I know that song. Wow. Okay, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I nothing that song. I it's just it it's just there. It exists. Yeah. If you've touched yourself in your no no area, you've heard that song. Maybe. What? I don't know. In sports. <laughs> All right. So Pierre George Henry was a French composer, considered a pioneer of musique cons- concrete. Musique concrete. That's fun. Born in Paris, he began experimenting at the age of 15 with sounds produced by various objects. He became fascinated with the integration of noise and mu- into music. Henry scored numerous films and ballets, and he composed the first musique concrete to appear in a commercial film, the 1952 short film, Astrologie ou le miroir de la vie. Composer Christopher Tyning, Tyne, Ting, 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 was heavily inspired by Henry's <laughs> psyche rock. I'm sorry. I had to unmute myself just to laugh at that. Like, what? what is happening? <laughs> ting, ting, ting. <laughs> We're just making noises. Uh, composer Christopher Ting was heavily inspired by Henry's psychic rock when writing the theme to Futurama. The theme is so reminiscent of Henry's song, it is considered a variation of the original. Henry died on July 5th at the age of 89 and was absorbed noisily. Ting! It's a lot of French. I figured you would enjoy the music concrete thing. That's fun. I like that. It's very... It's a precursor to Beck. <laughs> Let's get crazy with the song cheese whiz. All right, moving on. The sister trio group, Haim, released their first album in four years, Something to Tell You, on July 7th. Is that like Corey Haim's siblings? What is no, that? I figured you might know them. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. them. Haim. There was not a lot in the tweet for this date at all, for some reason. Yeah, I noticed it's kind of a, especially for the next section, it's really yeah. small. And finally in music, Eric Cartwright was an American rock guitarist who replaced original Fog Hat guitarist Rod Price in 1981. He played lead and slide guitar on Fog Hat's last three major label releases, Girls to Chat and Boys to Bounce, In the Mood for Something Rude, and Zigzag Walk. Fog Hat was still a major headlining act when Cartwright joined, but changes in music during... The 1980s led to the band's loss of popularity. Cartwright died at his home in Nashville from a heart attack on July 9th and was absorbed. Zigzag walk. It sounds like something John Cleese would do or has done. 
I'm Every pretty sure that's like a, a stoner uh, reference because zigzags are oh. papers that you're used hmm. to. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Rolling papers, yeah. Every yeah. time I hear the I hear the band <clears throat> Foghat, I always think of Homer Simpson's. <laughs> like that launched the uh, the the band Foghat. I thought you were talking about when he had the foam cowboy hat and the air horn. No, where he starts going on about the the evolution of classic rock to Bart and his friends in the backseat. I think Fog Hat is referenced a couple times in The Simpsons, which is awesome. Yeah. All right. Moving on to movies. The number Shortly. one movie in the land was Despicable Me 3? That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, is... I mean, I knew it was a thing. There's is that, four of that's them. the one with his brother. Oh, wait, no. That is the, the third one is the one with his brother. Yeah. Then uh, there was the Minions movie before that. All right. Well, movies released this week were Spider-Man Homecoming and the acronym of the week, AGS, which I'm pretty sure stands for Athletic Grandma Sluts. <laughs> I've seen that movie twice. Uh, no, that is a ghost story. A I mean, it's similar. It's not actually. I mean, a lot, some ghosts are probably grandmas. They might be athletic. I own a ghost could be story. Slutty. In this singular exploration of legacy, <clears throat> love, loss, and the enormity of existence, a recently deceased white sheeted ghost returns to his suburban home to try and reconnect with his bereft wife. Yeah, I own it. It's a good movie. That's, that's the plot to Grandma Sluts? Yeah, and then he yeah. bangs a whole bunch of grandmas. <laughs> With the They're white surprisingly sheep. limber. <laughs> so you've seen it. It's all about the locker room at the elderly Olympics. When the coach does you, you stay down. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, me either, but it's great. Yeah. I, I know what that means. <laughs> I knew Josh would get it. Uh, Casey Affleck? Uh-huh. Yep. He plays the white-sheeted ghost. And, uh, uh, God, I draw a blank on her name all of a sudden. Starts with an R. Rooney, Rooney, Mart, Rooney, Ruth, Ruth Mara. Mara. Ruth, Mara. 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 Rooney Mara, Mara plays the, the wife. It's huh. it's a very sad movie. Huh. But I enjoy it. doesn't look it. like anything I would ever, like, watch on purpose. So, TV. And it looks like something Joel would have on Laserdisc. Mm-hmm. How do you? How does he have it on Laserdisc? They haven't made any Laserdiscs in 1994. He has his own Laserdisc printing machine. I have a guy. The My top shows. I am the guy. Oh. <laughs> it's gone full circle. TV top shows in the land were Big Bang Theory, eh. NCIS, eh. This Is Us, mm? and Roseanne. Eh. I still. Damn, this Big is Bang like the Theory. worst week ever. I know, right? <laughs> I still get, like, people that watch Big Bang Theory, like, when I'm at work, and they're like, yeah, hey, remember that episode of Big Bang Theory, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I don't I've watch that show. Episodes from two of those shows. We're not going to have this conversation again oh, on this show. Why, why not? Because you like it? <laughs> I don't mind it. I mind it. Josh it is, minds it. I know it is nowhere near as bad as you guys claim it is. And uh, and the upraid, the outrage that all the nerds have about it is just fake outrage. I thought we were uh, having this discussion. Yeah, well, I'm done. On a good show topic, I'm on season, almost done with season two of Community. That's a good show. Yeah, Community's a great show. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah. Oh boy, so, it's okay. Well, you're alone on that one, Mike. <clears throat> I was. I'm. He's, oh, he's just trying to, yeah. He, yeah. I've only that, seen like three episodes. So. That was that was not a real commitment to. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get Pat riled up again, but God knows, doesn't take much. Nope. Nelson. Nelson. Nelson Ellis. <laughs> Nelson. Nelson. I'm going with that one. Nelson <laughs> Ellis. Okay. There's only one Nelson. It's just it's not like a seven first name Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally how it's music. 
Well, well either way, this, this dude was born on November 30th, 1977. He was an American actor and playwright who achieved critical acclaim for his portrayal of Lafayette Reynolds in True Blood, for which he won accolades. He also appeared in Elementary, Veronica Mars, and Without a Trace. In addition to his television work, Ellis appeared in several feature films, including such as Sectariat, The Butler, and Get On Up. Get up! Uh. That kind of, <laughs> that bar graph goes down. Um, his well, get, final on, get on up was the James Brown. Biography. Oh, was it? Yes, I thought it was that. What's that cheerleading movie? Uh, that is uh, Bring It oh, On. Bring It On. You're talking about Get on the Bus. That's a totally different movie. That's not the movie I'm thinking of. Anyway, I thought I thought Get on Up was a cheerleading movie. No. Okay. If it's okay, if it's about James Brown, I'm I, in that case, I'm good with it. Uh, his final acting role was in True to the Game, which was was released posthumously. Dun dun dun. Since Ellis died on July 8th, 2017, attempting to withdraw from his drug and alcohol addictions on his own due to shame, he kept his addictions from the public. He was hospitalized due to serious complications from alcohol withdrawal syndrome, which resulted in his death. Wow. That's rough. Yeah. Trying to do the right thing and did it the wrong way. Yeah, I was going to say, I knew Nelson Ellis basically just for True Blood, from True Blood, and uh, Mm -hmm. I knew he died. I didn't know how. I knew of him because I had I have friends that watch True Blood, including my wife. But uh, I never saw him until I saw him in Veronica Mars, or at least I didn't know who he was. Hmm. But I knew he was he was popular on that show on True Blood. Yeah, he had actually one of the one of the most real actual characters that wasn't you know some some kind of supernatural being. That show turned into like that show jumped the shark like in season two bad like everybody everybody in the town suddenly was like either a pixie or a vampire or a werewolf or a, a spirit or a fae or a satyr or is, is it come on <laughs> I, I was with it until about season three I think but the, the books apparently did the same thing Sarah read all the books and she said the last couple are just bad which yeah. reminds me of a line from Troy in Community when he's like they were talking about a jump in the shark and he's like. In Happy Days, there was actually an episode where he did jump a shark, and it was the best one. <laughs> like, All right, right, moving on to sports. On July 2nd, at the Men's U.S. Senior Open, Kenny Perry won by two strokes ahead of Kirk Triplett for his second U.S. Senior title. And at the Women's PGA Championship, Danielle Kang scored her first pro win one stroke ahead of defending champion Brooke Henderson. I didn't know she played uh, tennis. Oh, wait, sorry, no, I read that wrong. you thinking of Daniel Craig? No, I was thinking of Katy Perry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Craig might play tennis, but. Yeah, Katy Perry winning the the men's U.S. senior golf title would be very odd. Yeah, it would be weird. Especially if she's playing against Daniel Kang and Daniel Kodos. I mean, you know, Simpsons reference. Anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands parts. I would have rather, well, you know what, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. I'm... <laughs> Do it. I'm going to talk about Daniel's brother, Donkey. <clears throat> oh, Donkey Kang. Yeah, yeah. there's another meme. Donkey Kang. Take that be, back. Should be Donkey Kang. Take that back. See, I told you I didn't want to do yeah, it. I told awful. you. <laughs> I learned by watching you. <laughs> do I need to ruin that meme again? <laughs> and lastly, lastly, let's get out of here. 55,000 Australians came to see the Battle of Brisbane as Manny Pacquiao boxed against hometown hero Jeff Horn, and the match ended in an incredibly controversial decision. In a stunning upset, the massive underdog Horn scored a disputed unanimous decision over Pacquiao to capture the WBO welterweight title. At 38, Pacquiao looked a step slower throughout and at times a shadow of his once great self. While Horn's constant pressure and what many fans felt were borderline dirty tactics gave him the win. 
borderline dirty tactics. Yeah, like uh, using your head to headbutt the guy and open up a you know open up a little bit of a cut so he bleeds. Like summoning Katy Perry to hit him with a chair. <laughs> Somebody caught him dropping a full shoehorn or a horseshoe into his glove. Yeah, Throw, throwing him into the announcer's table, dropping him from the top of a steel cage. <laughs> Woo! Those kinds of things. Boxing's gotten weird. <laughs> All right, I, play I, us I, off. I Keep cut your Hell in a Cell oh. reference there, Pat. Yep, thank you, oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Play us off, keyboard, Joel. Was that a Castlevania reference? All right, so Castlevania. We talked about doing this as a show, and to our surprise, actually Josh and my surprise, that uh, some of the some of the guys didn't know a whole hell of a lot about it. And hi, uh, yeah, it's Pat. <laughs> uh, Castlevania, if you're not familiar with it, is probably one of the biggest video game franchises out there, along with Final, like I just said before, and we were talking before the show, Final Fantasy, Resident Evil. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one yeah. of the heavy hitters from Konami back when they made video games. Mm-hmm. Like, you pretty much go from the Metal Gear franchise to this, then you're starting to get into their later stuff, like <clears throat> your Silent Hill, before they kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is golden age. We're, we're talking, what, 1987? Uh, uh, yes. 86? Six. Oh. 86 in was Japan. 86. Only in Japan, I believe. <clears throat> mm-hmm. North America, 1987. That's when the first one showed up. Okay. Yeah, that feels me. right. But, uh... I, just, I, just happened, <laughs> I just happened to have looked that graph up earlier when I was talking to Michelle about this. So, yeah, not, 86 is when it started, but 87 for America. Yeah, 87 mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yeah, it was on the Famcom, uh, Famicom in Japan in 86. Yep. So the first one showed up on the NES. Uh, I have vivid recollection of this because I... What was the one conversation I had in high school when people were playing it? was like, hate those friggin' Medusa heads. Uh, that oh, was a yes. reasonable statement. Yes. As I was talking about... Because I replayed the games just this afternoon uh, on through emulation and yeah every uh enemy knocks you back and the medusa heads have this serpentine flying pattern and they love to get you when you're on stairs or when you're trying to jump from platform to platform and knock you back and instantly kill you because you've got a health bar in this game but if mm-hmm. you fall into a pit you, it, you're just dead and medusa heads are probably responsible for more deaths than everything else in the game yeah that that was uh Actually, in, th- in sitting thinking about this before prepping for the show, Castlevania was my first rage quit. <laughs> yeah. Um, those of you that aren't familiar with Castlevania, it's a action genre side-scroller that has eventually become created a genre of its own that's known nowadays as they call it sometimes metroidvania yeah although i think the vania part of it is weird because really metroidvanias owe more to metroid than they do to castlevania yeah my first i played this the the first i gotta take that back the rage quit was not castlevania the, the first one it was actually simon's quest which was the 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 gameplay is you would rehash and go back to previous locations that you had been in the game before, which for that that time was kind of unheard of. Uh, it also had the weird town system with NPCs you could talk to, and some pretty uh, hilarious, like not uh, very well translated English, mm-hmm. like from Japanese. Yeah, but that was that was kind of a. Uh... Not kind of. It totally was a brand new thing because it was back then. It was like Mario. Games were linear. You started here, you ended here. The level was done. When uh, the Simon's Quest came out, it was you go to here. There are places in the first level that you cannot get to, 
until you get the boots that give you a super jump. And you're not going to get that till two levels from now. Then you have to come back to the first level, do the super jump, and now you can get to the rest of the level type of thing. It's more of an exploration type of game. Mm -hmm. And I was totally hooked. I mean, I I rage quit, mainly because Simon Belmont's jump is god-awful for a video game. He's kind of like, you know, it's not really a, like a... Super Mario type double jump type of thing. It's it's more like a human being would actually jump in a game type of thing, and cost me a lot of like because you miss it by one pixel and you're in the drink. Yeah, I, I have distinct memories because I got this shortly after release, like within a couple of months, and I remember in the car reading the manual and just immediately captivated by all of the classic horror movie monsters, this mashup between you've got Frankenstein, you've got uh, Igor hopping around, you've got uh, Medusa as a boss, yeah. and of course, Big D himself, but uh, one of the things that captivated me was the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper is a, a character that I actually have a, a long personal history with. <laughs> Been dodging him for years. <laughs> well, I was just going to say. I, I probably have never told you guys this story. Uh, when I was, uh, got to have been like second or third grade, they decided at my elementary school, they were going to get all of the elementary kids into a room uh, for this presentation. On the presentation, uh, they had all the lights off and then they turned on a strobe light and then Frankenstein kicks open one door and the Grim Reaper comes in from the other. And we immediately start losing our shit, crying and screaming. I've never seen a strobe light before. And all of a sudden I got the Grim Reaper and Frankenstein coming towards me. <laughs> what? what the we hell were are they thinking? Mindless who's, terror. Who was it? Like, who's unemployed ass thought of that thing? Yeah. You know what'd be great? To, like, turn the lights on and show me that Frankenstein was my dad with a Frankenstein mask and ski boots on. Because <laughs> I was absolutely insane, crying with terror, and I had flashbacks every time I saw a strobe light for like four years, like until I was like thirteen. It's the like, dumb flashbacks. Every time, you, every time you go to the roller rink, no. <laughs> You can see, like, the school board. You'll be great. I wonder how many kids we can get to piss their pants at once. Well, and remember, wow. I was in an ele- I was in a Christian elementary school that had like a total of forty kids K to eight. Oh wow! So, yeah, there was no oversight. <laughs> That's awesome. But, like as I got a little bit older, like because of this like formative scarring experience, I've got this twisted fascination in particular with the Grim Reaper. So I just thought it was <laughs> awesome that he was one of the bosses in this game. And then oh, you boot man. it up and you've got that music when you're <laughs> in Dracula's Manor. The the first game has a, a vampire killer as it's yet a, yet another thing that Josh and Thanos have in common. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't believe as long as we've known each other, I've never told that story. It's no, I've baby. never heard that. Never heard it. Yeah. Oh. I you know, know I would have remembered that. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Mindless with terror. You gotta, Streaking and couldn't stop crying. Like, gotta, how bad is the situation when, when Frankenstein coming into the room is the least of your concerns? <laughs> was, it, was, it was the Grim Reaper and the fucking strobe light. Note to self for Gen Con. Bring strobe light, moon boots. Robe. Oh, 
Oh, wow. So, I mean, we should probably talk about the plot line of the games. Now, the overarching idea is that Dracula is the big baddie of this world. He resides in a castle that can teleport from place to place and is continually being hunted uh, by members of the Belmont clan. The original character in this is Simon Belmont, who carries his whip, a crucifix that boomerangs back to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he has holy water that acts like a fire grenade, uh, daggers that throw straight, and then axes that arc up in the air. And he the didn't... stopwatch, which stops time. Right. Forgot he didn't the have the, the scripture shield yet, though, right? No, not he did not one. have this. No, not this. Yeah. Whatever and they call it. Simon is like chronologically somewhere in the middle of the Belmonts. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Trevor, who we're going to talk a whole lot more about in now. Uh, like Castlevania 1 and 2 uh, have Simon, but Trevor, who is Simon's ancestor and who is in the Netflix series, uh, is in Castlevania 3. And yeah, there's almost always some bullshit about how, uh, despite the fact you supposedly put him down for the last time, someone figures out a way to resurrect him again. Mm -hmm. Dracula, not Simon Belmont. Dracula, no. There's a whole bunch of different Belmonts. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of different Belmonts. There's eventually in one game, you have, I know Pat's going to love this, you have Alucard. Now, was that Super Castlevania? When did he show up? Alucard uh, first shows up, I'm pretty sure, in Castlevania 3. Okay. So He's also, do they do they use they they use like wooden stakes right in the game the Belmonts? Please tell me they call them the Belmont stakes. They have they actually don't use wooden stakes. Uh, no, it was probably originally why. Uh, wooden stakes and garlic were going to be weapons in the first game, but they couldn't figure out a design for them that would work. Uh, they probably should have replaced the dagger with a wooden stake. But uh, yeah. yeah, they uh, and most of the time you're not actually fighting vampires. I mean, most of the time your basic enemies you're, you're gonna have the bats, the aforementioned Medusa heads. You're gonna have zombies, uh, various animals, ravens, uh, panthers yeah. for some reason, wolves, yeah. bats, lots of igors, little those little uh, slime droppy things, uh, hmm. creatures from the Black Lagoon, like uh, yeah, yeah, fish guys. Yeah. So, so back in the day, I, you know, as we've discussed in other shows, I was never a console guy. I never had any of the games, never played any of the handheld games. I was always just a PC guy. And this was never on PC as far as I knew, especially when I was younger. So I never got into it. I, I think I might have played it if I didn't, well, I mean, I would have had to buy a console, but like I might have been at least been interested in it if I'd known vampires were involved. But well, since, you're saying, since you're saying there's less vampires. Yeah, I just, I just, for some reason, it was just one of those things that just never hit my interest and I never really looked into it. Never and it was on PC, but uh, side-scrolling action was really uh, a 1980s, like, it was born in the 1980s on the consoles. Like, all the big games from Super Mario, Castlevania, Metroid are these side-scrolling platformers. And those still exist, but they were in their heyday. In I think mid-80s. Pitfall was the only side-scrolling action type game I ever really played on a regular basis. No vampires in that, though. No. Alligators. Lots of alligators. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, this, like, remixes of the soundtracks, especially the themes to the first two games. Like I said, Vampire Killer was the first one, and Bloody Tears is the theme to the second game. Like, that has a not insignificant portion of, like, my iTunes, like, MP3 collection. There's various remixes of those two themes. And that's odd because there isn't a whole lot of video game music just, like, straight that I have multiple remixes of. But those two themes are huge. Yeah, I think those are on my list along with 
the uh, theme to Silent Hill Three and the um, One Winged One Winged Angel from Final Fantasy. Mm. Yeah, that's another big one. So this was also, along with Konami, div- uh, had a hand from uh, Kojima Productions. Also, yeah, the uh, director is a guy named uh, Hitoshi Akamatsu. Uh, he was big into cinema and horror films in particular, and all he was one of the early game designers who like looked at things as though he was directing his own movie, and uh, that's one of the reasons why the visuals and music were kind of ahead of their time because he wasn't approaching it the way other game designers did. Like he wanted people to feel like they were in a classic horror movie. Yeah, yeah and oh, go ahead, Joel. I was going to say, yeah, they borrowed pretty heavily from the Universal monsters, not only in the the characters that they had. But in the design, the set design of the the game itself, the castle, the the grounds, etc. Yeah, the 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 theme and the whole feel of the game is very gothic. It's probably one of the first games that actually drew me in just to the universe because there's a lot of outside. Because it's, I mean, like Mario or Mega Man. Right. You know, there there's not a lot of plot there. And Konami has these franchises that have this lore that goes super deep. And Castlevania actually isn't as hard to follow as some of the other. Like, you get into Metal Gear lore. Oh, my God. There are very few uh, video game lores that are harder to follow. I mean, Kingdom Hearts is the only one that comes to mind that makes less sense than Metal Gear. Well, and something I didn't realize until... uh... I started kind of doing a dive into the game because, you know, I, I played the original uh, and I played a little bit of, of uh, Simon's Quest, but I, I, you know, I played a lot of the original game when I was a kid. I didn't realize how deep this went. Like when I did a deep dive into the history of it from day one to when it kind of stopped, I, I didn't realize there were so many different iterations of the game, how deep the lore went, you know, how kind of much history there was. Mm-hmm. And it kind of blew my mind because I was like, oh, yeah, Castlevania. I remember that game. But there's so much more <laughs> to it than that. And it's a really cool like it makes it lends itself well to what we're going to talk about in the second half of the show because of how now, well I, ha- now I have a BG's version of how deep is your lore stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the uh, the third one, it's interesting. You say you tapped out before uh, the prequel, Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse, because that's also the first game in the series uh, where you can control characters other than a Belmont. You've got Trevor Belmont, but you've also got uh, Sypha Belnades or Belnades, uh, the sword. Sorceress, who is in the in the uh, Netflix series Alucard, and the one character that didn't make it into the series, Grant Dynasty. That's her real name. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's definitely a uh, like in a the Japanese. Name. It would have been Guranto Danasuti, but they, that sounds they, better. Yeah. A lot of the times, Japanese. a lot of times, you get these translations to English, and they have very uh, punny sort of translations. I mean, Alucard is just Dracula backwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even catch that. Yep, really? Well, I, I suppose I would if I saw it several different times. I saw it like twice in preparation. I, I was, I was waiting for you to be like, "That's a bullshit name." <laughs> <laughs> it is a bullshit name now that I see that. <laughs> but I mean, the, you know, yeah, but he's a badass, so you can't like, yeah, can't fault him for that. Well, you can't fault anybody for what they're doing. He'll kick nobody, your ass. Nobody names himself. So, well, well, true. We should get to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which I think, honestly, for the 
pre-current gen games is probably the gold standard for Castlevania games. Yeah, it's uh, the only one I'd touch on before we get there, it would be the Super NES one, which is Super Castlevania 4, mostly for the massive jump forward in graphics and the fact that it's the first one where the whip, instead of just being left or right, are I think you could go up in Castlevania 3, but you could uh, actually do the whip in all eight directions in Super Castlevania 4. But that's, Mm -hmm. that's about it. Like, aside from the fact that it was super visually impressive it was otherwise not as groundbreaking as bloodlines and symphony yeah. of the night what one of the things that i liked about symphony of the night is the leveling system that they introduced on that one where you would actually gain it, it it turned kind of like an rpg where you would gain experience as it went on and you were able to increase your your stats as you move so your life bar would get longer your attack will get stronger you could use different armor and weapons as you found them you can like uh outfit your character how you saw fit to be able to for your play style so if you were big on swords you know in close combat or you like whips or whatever or ranged combat you can adjust how that worked by what what weapons and armor you carried around with you yeah i mean most of the time you're playing as alucard in symphony of the night mm-hmm. And it's got a Metroid-style uh, exploration system, too, because there are areas of the castle you can't get until you can uh, shapeshift into a bat so you can fly or turn into mist so you can go through a crack. Mm-hmm. And that's also where you discover what man is. What does that mean? No, I was hoping Josh would tag on that one. but I, I, thought I, I thought he said, when you discover mayonnaise, and I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> that's why I was confused. I was like... <laughs> What? You didn't get to the mayonnaise level? Uh, no, this is just, this is uh the guy's got a miracle whip, not mayonnaise. <laughs> He's got a miracle whip. Wow. <laughs> I applaud you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Thank that you. was good. <laughs> considering considering your limited knowledge on the whole situation. It's the best I Castlevania joke you. of the night. <laughs> yeah, no, the the opening sequence for um the Castlevania Symphony of the Night is Simon Belmont fighting Dracula, and they have this dialogue between each other, and it's like, what is man? A miserable little pile of secrets. Oh, right. Although that was yep. Richter, not Simon. Oh, that's right. Yep. He's the other character that you can play uh, from the franchise in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, Simon oh, and Richter are the two, the two Castlevania characters. Hmm. Yeah, and that shows what sort of impact Symphony of the Night had, is that those are the only two they bother with. Yeah, just a good game all around. I mean, that's I think that's really where they they shone on just being able to create a well balanced, but at the same time, friggin' hard game, which blows my mind because you can actually get Symphony of the Night uh, on Android. Well, that makes sense. I mean, th- this is also where they start making Dracula slightly sympathetic. They introduce the concept of his wife, Lisa, and the level design. Like, one of the things, we talked about the exploration, but there's also a section of the castle where they flip it upside down and then make you go through the upside-down duplicate of the castle. That level, that sucked. Because you kind of know where you're going, but at the same time, you don't. You're dancing on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. That was for you, Oh, Patrick. what a feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing I hear about the game the most, which I vaguely remember from playing it, is exactly how difficult it is and how frustrating it is. Because I'm sure there's a lot more people like you, Mike, that rage quit over that game. Yeah, it is not a it's not a game for filthy casuals. 
Well, none of it. When they talk about games being Nintendo hard, a lot of the early Konami games were. Like, you go back and you play Contra. You go back and you play any of the Castlevanias or even the first two Metal Gear games. They are tough as fucking nails. Yeah, I was I was unable to finish Contra without the... The cheat uh, code? Yeah, extra lives cheat. Mm-hmm. Up, up, Ooh. down, down, left, right, B-A. Mm-hmm. No, I got that wrong. You're close. Up, you're up, close, down, down, yeah. left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, B-A start. start. Yeah. Select start if you're playing two. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Konami, and especially for that era, was just known for having difficult games. But the thing was that with the building and the way they created the Castlevania series, it, was, it wasn't it was like, I can't finish this level because, you know, the balance is off in the game. Or there's just one enemy I can't get by and, you know, the, the boss battle is ridiculous. Especially with Symphony of the Night, it was, I can, can't get by this because I have not found the thing that I need to get by it, or I have not leveled up to the point where I can actually effectively fight this uh, lizard bird with a with a uh, lance that's being carried around by a gargoyle. Well, what? It's like I saw one thing where they said <laughs> that's, that's like the first big boss in that game. There was one part where you had to go to this certain area at the edge of a map, climb up these stairs, kneel in front of the wall facing it, wait for a certain amount of time, and then a tornado came to take you to a castle, and it's like. If you didn't know that, you wouldn't get there or something like that? Yeah, but like that's that. optional. That's, that's not like something you need to do in order to proceed. Oh, yeah. It's just a weird thing, though, you know? like. And there are yeah. always been hidden secrets in the Castlevania games. Like, I still remember where in the first four to six stages of Castlevania, which walls to hit to get the health-regaining items or to get the uh, big block with the nor- uh, Roman numeral two on it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the fuck it does, but I remember, okay, I hit these blocks and I get the big two. I think it just doubles your points at the end of the stage. I don't remember. Oh, man, you know what I just remembered? Uh, Konami also did... Um... The hockey game, uh, Blades of Steel, mm-hmm. which was oh, how the mighty have fallen. Like, I know, right? They basically, don't make video games anymore. They make pachinko machines based off of their popular video games like Castlevania. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, they did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles NES game also, which they did. Screw you, because oh. that one was awful. <laughs> Oh, I liked it. It just wasn't the side-scrolling arcade, and it was also tough as nails. I yeah. think they also did the sequel, which was based off the arcade game. Uh, is that uh, Turtles in Time? No, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. Oh. <laughs> so many people complained that the NES version was not like the arcade game, that they made the sequel and basically were like, okay, you just want to cut and paste, scale down for what the NES can do of the uh, arcade game? That is what we will give you. Yeah. Which, that video game... In the arcade. It's the only game I ever spent a lot of money on, and I beat it in the arcade. That's the only one. Ever. Good for you, man. I fucking love that game. But anyway, we're not talking about TMNT. No, but we've drifted into Konami a little bit, basically, because like there's only so much that like Mike and I can go on and on about like the games. Because yeah. I, I played basically any <laughs> Castlevania game that was on a non-handheld console. So mm-hmm. I missed a few, because for a long time, they were either on Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, or later on some of the uh, Sega and Sony handhelds. And, I, and I've, I've played a lot of the... I have the original... Um, Castlevania for the Game Boy. I've played that and beat it, and I, I, it's just as good. I mean, but I mean, even regardless of the gameplay, I, I applaud them for whoever was in their creative department uh, to make a story that's interesting, that's logical, and that uh, you know lends itself well to not only gameplay but just general kind of uh, like just a good story in general. 
So and know, they did a that. reboot in the uh, Xbox 360 PS3 era that is kind of drifting into the now. But since we're basically talking about the Netflix series in the second half, I'm going to mention it now because I saw on Facebook that it was 10 years ago today that I played that. Wow. It popped up uh, on my uh, memories. Uh, That's weird. Yeah, that uh, I, I had just put away a different game specifically to get into the Castlevania that was on the 360. Odd timing. Yeah, I, I thought that was really neat. So I figured I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned it. Yeah, I'm 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 scrolling through as I'm trying to remember Konami games, and <clears throat> it's kind of sad because you've got like the Blades of Steel, you've got Castlevania, you've got Bucky O'Hare, the uh, Asterix game, and then somewhere around 1997, they come out with Beat Mania, and then after that, shortly after that, it's literally nothing but Beat Mania and Dance Dance Revolution games, and then Fisherman's Bait Marlin Challenge. <laughs> God, I can't wait for the Netflix series for that one. Well, I'm pretty sure they were still making Silent Hills for a few years because yeah, I think the last Silent Hill was in 2012. Oh, Silent Hill. Um, and yeah, they did some games for Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think that Pro Evolution Soccer continued on past most of their... Yeah, they were they were still doing PES up to last year. Let's see. But like their big ones that we think of, uh, like I said, Contra, Castlevania. Yeah. Suikoden. Uh, some of the biggest, when we come to the PlayStation era JRPGs, like Suikoden 1 and 2 are huge. I kickstarted the spiritual successor to it coming out in like two years. Ooh. Because nobody's making games like that anymore. Yeah. Especially not Konami. You know, Pat, you might even like that game. The Suikoden? The one, the one Josh was just talking Sweet about? Coda. Yeah. Oh. Because you're just OCD enough that you would really want to collect all, what is it, 300 characters? It's usually 100 and, 103 or 109. But the, and most of them are playable characters in your party, and some of them just like hang out at your base. Like One of them might be a cook. Another one might be an item shop dude. Oh, so it's kind of like... Um... Uh, Project of Eternity, where you have a a different stable of people you can pull from? Yes. It's way more JRPG Final Fantasy turn-based, but you've got the 108 stars of Destiny, 108 protagonists, and and probably about 70 or 80 of those are actually playable characters you can put into your party. It's a good game, and the original goes for some serious money, too. I still have my copy. What's the original platform? Uh, PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah, the the first two games were uh, PlayStation exclusives, and yeah, yeah. they both one and two uh, go for some cash now. Yeah, I've got two. Which, goddamn. Yep. What? Oh, the amount? How much it's going for? Is that what you're? Yeah. Cursing. Apparently on Etsy, somebody's selling a copy of Siokoden Two for four hundred ninety nine dollars. Sounds about right. Yeah. That's kind of crazy pants. So. uh... Are we uh, at the point where, now, now that we're starting to talk about random... Uh, random other Konami games? Yeah. <laughs> probably time to get back to Castlevania when we'll come back and then we'll talk about the Netflix series, uh, all four seasons of it. Yeah, because if you like lore, you're going to get a lot of it on that one. So we'll be back in a little bit. Whip it. Whip it good. Hey, and welcome to the break. This week's Geek Life Radio Artist of the Week is High Adventure with the Fury of Darth Maul. Here's a little sample and the full track will be played at the end of the show. Hey, flows through 
their strength lies Hunting you from the shadows The Sith Lords will soon rise At last the Sith will have their revenge Alright, so post-2000, there was a small gaggle of Castlevania uh, games, which ranged in quality from Castlevania good stuff to what were they thinking? I think they made this, this is the, was it Aria of Sorrow or Harmony of Distance right around 2002, 2003, where they went to like 3D? A couple of them are 3D. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, I, from N64 on, uh, they're 3D as often as their side scroller. Okay. Curse of Darkness, I think, is the one that went into 3D. Because it seems like post-2000, they're all uh, portable, too. I think Lords of Shadow is the one that uh, I was talking about before that uh, I had started playing exactly 10 years ago. Yeah, definitely <laughs> Lords of Shadow. Okay. Yeah, and they're all good. I mean, it's uh, most recently is 2014 uh, has Lords of Shadow 2, which is actually pretty damn good, too. Um but we are talking about Castlevania, the Netflix show, which when it popped up a couple of years ago, I was extremely excited about and knocked off the first season a lot quicker than I thought I would because the shows aren't exactly as long as I expected them to be. <laughs> yeah, they're a little under half an hour per episode. Yeah. The first season's only like four episodes. Yeah, four or five episodes on the first one. But uh, this stars, stars as voices on all these, Richard Armitage as Trevor Belmont. So we've got, he's the last living member of the Belmont clan, uh, who's all been excommunicated from uh, the church because reasons. Now, you know, may, may know him as the Naboo fighter pilot from Star Wars <laughs> episode one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And eventually they gave him a name or he was also in the year's love where he played smug man at party. Dude, he was so good as a smug man at party. I know, he was very smug. I've never seen such smugness. Smug the joiner. There's the smudgeness. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, sadly kidding. Uh, he's n most known for Thorin Oakenshield from the Hobbit movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's his deal. Uh, we also have James Callis as Adrian Elicard Tepez as the Sepesh. son of Dracula. Tepez. Sepesh. Sepesh. There you go. Sepesh. And we know this guy. This guy is motherfucking Gaius Beltar. Battlestar Galactica. Indeed. I'm yep. a big James Callis fan, mainly because I'm a big Gaius Beltar fan, but oh. even though he is the worst, maybe because he's the worst. He's a great character, though. Yeah. Yep. We also have Alejandra Rezano as Sefa Belanes, who's a magician, Elder's granddaughter, who wields incredibly overpowered magic for being a new member of the Speaker clan. Just something I noticed. Graham McTavish as Vlad Dracula Tepesh. Yeah, Graham is uh, basically like, uh, I know he's huge in Preacher, and Sarah recognized him from uh, Outlander. Yeah, he was the go he's the uh, Saint of Killers from. Uh from preacher and he's uh, another hobbit alum he's uh one of the random dwarves oh what's he yeah he's dwelling ah one of the ends yeah <laughs> then also we have tony amendola as mm -hmm. the elder that sounds right yeah so he's been in a bunch of stuff he was in the borrower he was in the mask of zorro back in 1998 most recently he was in something called zicho's journey yeah he was uh, the priest in the curse of la llorona Oh, okay. Yeah, he he plays priests in middling C grade horror movies a lot. He was a priest in Annabelle as well. Yep, the same character actually. Oh, oh. is that the same? I yep. didn't realize Curse of La Llorona was in that uh, universe. Same yep. universe, it, yeah. Part of that yeah. universe. Wow. Huh. So also is the bishop 
a psychotic clergyman who was the one who started the whole ball rolling by ordering the burning of Lisa Tepesh, uh, is Matt Frewer. Ma- 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 Max Headroom. Max Headroom, Moloch in The Watchmen. He is also in uh, Star Trek. Yep. He's also he was... Trashman in the uh, original version of The Stand. Oh, and he had his right. own series called Dr. Doctor briefly. Yep. I love Matt Frewer. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan too. And he's got a funny last name. Thank you, Patrick. I just wanted to contribute. You're going to love this one. Emily Swallow (laughs) as Lisa Tepesh, Dracula's beloved wife who was burned at the stake after being falsely accused of witchcraft. Such Uh, a good character. Like, she is less worried about the fact that she's going to die and more worried about the fact that her husband is going to fuck everyone up. Yeah. Don't, when, as she's burning at the stake, she's like, they don't know what they're doing. Please don't hurt them, Hammer. Right. So uh, if you know her, she is also in uh, Supernatural as Amara. Mm. Great character. Amara's awesome. Along with this, we also have Hector, a devil forge master who has served Dracula in his war against uh, humanity, who is voiced by Theo James. I do not know Theo James. Um, he was in the Underworld series and uh, it, like Divergent. He was like one of the, the big guys in Divergent. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, Josh, you're going to have to help me with the next one. <laughs> uh, Deto Kumbo McCormick. As Isaac, another forge master and fierce loyalist of Dracula helps lead his army. Um, this Boy, guy. Heft over. Yeah, right. Uh, he's also been in uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, as French radio pirate. Uh, he was also he was Tuco in Heroes. I have, I have, I've literally never seen Heroes. Okay, and he was a minor character in Lost as well, but you wouldn't have remembered him. Okay, like he was, I think, the brother to Mister Echo in Lost. Oh, okay. Uh, I know that Mr. Echo had, yeah, I know Mr. Echo had a brother. I don't remember. That's about as far as I go. Yeah, same guy. Okay. So we also have Jamie Murray, who plays Carmilla, who is a vampire mistress. Uh, A one Peter Stormare as Godbrand, which is just the best name for a vampire. I like the, uh, when they call him out on you, you've never been anything that you didn't try to kill, fuck, or make into a boat. He's like, I'm a Viking. I like boats. (laughs) (laughs) russian parts american parts all made in taiwan you bigot i'm a viking (laughs) yeah peter stormer his he's just got a he's great as a voice actor uh we also have jessica brown jessica brown finley who is uh smoking hot uh you guys probably don't know her as well as a lot of people who uh watch the historical dramas do because she was uh, uh one of it, uh, big characters in the first couple seasons of uh downton abbey oh okay she, she was also in my personal favorite episode of uh black mirror uh five million merits she was the character who uh ended up she was like super talented and ended up getting turned into a porn star by the end of it yeah that was a that was a good episode i remember that episode yeah yeah I, i'm bike. a huge fan of her where they're all pedaling on the bicycles yep mm-hmm. yeah all right so we also have yasmin almasari as morena who's a part of the council of sisters ivana milikovic as striga uh, a bill nye 
as St. Germain coming in here. Uh, he's a man researching the realm known as the Infinite Corridor, along with uh, Jason Isaacs as the judge, Lance Reddick as the captain, Malcolm McDowell drops in as uh, Varney, and I think he also does the voice of the Grim Reaper. Yes. Yeah, he is death. Yeah. So this is a uh, a telling of the Belmont clan after you know giving us a storyline where Dracula goes all right, I'm done with you after his wife is burned at the stake for being a witch, for being well, claimed this to be is, a witch. This is a straight up reinterpretation of Castlevania three. Yes. Um, but it's told like, I, I know we usually do IMDB and we talk about the uh, writing and directing, but this was written by Warren Ellis and the showrunner is Adi Shankar. I know Warren Ellis. I do not know Roddy Shankar. Uh, Adi Shankar. Uh, he was responsible for dread. That's the big thing, you know? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. He he's done a lot of other things, uh, Machine Gun Preacher, um, Killing Them Softly, Lone Survivor, um, and he was also pretty famous for his uh, documentary on The Simpsons talking about the Apu problem. Okay. Yeah, as someone who is Indian, there was a big, like, he wanted to get into, like, why a really super stereotypical character on one of the biggest shows on the planet was actually a big deal. Hmm. So I do have some trivia on here that I did not post on the notes, but some of the things on this one is this actually has a 79% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. As it should. Yes, which is actually the first ever adaptation of a video game not to get a Rotten score. Hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, that is shit. interesting. Yeah. That was the other thing. Sorry, sorry to get back on Adi Shankar. Did you guys ever see the fan film version of Power Rangers All Grown Up? Yes, with no. Katie Sackhoff. That's that's Adi Shankar as well. It's got like a James Vanderbeek and Katie Sackhoff in it. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the score's composer is a guy named Trevor Morris. He also, uh, several of the Castlevania games have actually had a family named Morris who descended from the Belmonts. Castlevania Bloodlines for the Genesis features a playable character named John Morris and Castlevania Portrait of Rune has uh, Jonathan Morris. Now, th- uh, the reason that is probably the most lamest trivia I can give is because everything else on the trivia list is like, oh yeah, it's based off of Castlevania 3. Yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, with the uh, one... Uh, we talked about Grant Dynasty. He's not in the series. That was the one thing that uh, Warren Ellis said he thought it was stupid that uh, a pirate was in a landlocked country in the middle of Transylvania. But the reason why Grant was considered a pirate was a problem with Japanese to English translation. Uh, he, he was really just supposed to be like a thief and a rebel. Oh, okay. So like Warren Ellis sort of cut a character for no real good reason. But so whatever like they, they, didn't... They, they tried to describe him as a swashbuckler rogue, and they took the pirate part of that. Yeah, yes, ran with that one. Yeah. Swashbuckler robe. I don't know what that is. He's kind of like a pirate. Pirate. I know pirates. We'll give him a boat in the middle of a landlocked country. Floats in a little lake. <laughs> him and Godbrand will be friends. Those famous Transylvanian pirates. But when you've got a uh, uh, translation errors in Castlevania, like what a horrible night to have a curse. <laughs> like that's the least of the translation problems with the Castlevania series. Right. Right. But uh, is this a, f- I know it's 2017, but is it first viewing for anybody but me and Josh? It was for me. Like I pushed deeper into the series than I had previous, but like I, I watched the first four episodes, like the day they came out. Yeah. Same well, here. This, is, this is my third view through. <laughs> no, I don't think he believes you. <laughs> I choose to disbelieve. With, with your deep knowledge of Castlevania and how much you're into anime, that that tracks. <laughs> 
but yeah, I'm, this is obviously the first time I watched this, and um, I was I'm really impressed. It's really well done. I, I'm glad to hear that, considering like uh, I watch a lot of anime, and the uh, actual art and the uh, voice work is top notch. The animation is not the highest I've seen. Like some of the fighting animation, I don't want to call it janky, but it's just not like top drawer. It's like clearly middle of the pack. Yeah, there's I, I one of the things that I notice on watching any sort of animated feature is changes in uh belmont's i mean not belmont yeah yeah, belmont's face he get goes from short to long occasionally (laughs) and like wings tend to go from up to down with no middle and i'm only picky about that because i've recently been watching a lot of anime from bones studio and their fight scenes are fucking phenomenal best in class so like this is still very good but like i'm used to watching perfect so it stood stood out to me that this was not perfect you know the, uh, being the first time watching for me i I wasn't sure quite what to expect uh, again because the game I had such little knowledge of how deep everything went and what the true story was that within the first well, by the time she was done burning at the stake I was hooked I was like okay I want to know where this goes because here you've got a, a primary antagonist who you kind of are siding with because his justifications are pretty valid maybe a little extreme but but they're valid so you've got two opposing sides that have a good reason for doing what they're doing plus it just looked nice it sounded nice it, everything was well done so i made it through i didn't finish the very last episode of season two but i got the the second to last episode was far enough that there wasn't like a cliffhanger so uh, i didn't get a chance to get to the the final one in season two but at this point i'm planning on finishing it yeah That's, and this this just yeah. to mention this one out loud this is not yeah it's a cartoon based on a video game but this is not like mario brothers this this is kind of visceral yeah the the, the moment you know like, like like joel said he had a moment when he knew he was hooked the this is going to sound very twisted but the moment that i kind of was like wow i i kind of might be into this was when they showed those creatures walking off with a with a newborn baby and i'm like okay these people are gonna do anything they're like there's no like like border to how twisted they're gonna get in this mm-hmm. so yeah, i was kind of definitely... like I, yeah i might be in on this <laughs> yeah they punctuate the evil yeah <laughs> is that a whole when, bunch when they're carrying off a fucking baby in their mouth like all dead i'm like holy shit yeah I, mean, I was i was watching that with suzanne and that scene came by and they're like was that a baby in that dog's right? mouth right and i'm like uh maybe i and didn't then, get a clear look at it and then the next scene it's an empty bloody cradle and i'm like oh guess it was all and right then, you know the next fight scene the guy loses an eye and i'm like okay yeah this is pretty cool <laughs> yeah from a whip that's great. yeah i mean it all starts out you know it's kind of this like cute like love story you know you're like oh you know he's he's kind of enchanted by her and it's like oh this that's kind of sweet and then all of a sudden you're like what the fuck had a very beauty and the beast vibe for a moment right yeah then you're like jesus christ what the hell and it just goes from there and and all the f-bombs and everything else i was like yeah this is not a kid's show oh yeah they're talking about fucking a goat that that kind of took me by surprise too yeah the (laughs) the opening (laughs) the whole guy talking about beating a guy over the head with a shovel because he caught him screwing the goat well like when alucard and and belmont whenever they interact with each other and he's he said something like you're a piece of shit and he's like fuck off or whatever and i was just like i love this you know yeah 
And Alucard, solid. Alucard gets into what, uh, something Joel was uh, talking about that I wanted to circle back on. Because uh, you're talking about how you sympathize with Dracula. And you really do throughout this show. But uh, he's got this thing where he remembers what Dracula used to be when he was in love with Lisa. And he sees what he's become. And he's like, this is a tragedy. Like, you guys are all into, hey, let's go kill the vampire. But for me, like, this should never have happened. He has mm-hmm. to be put down out of respect to who he used to be yeah well it's like he he says to him at one point he's like he's like all of what you've done is basically just a a really long suicide note it's like you wanted to die and he's like no you're wrong i'm just like man this is fucking this is deep there's a lot going on here there is no clear cut well i won't say there's not a clear cut good guy or bad guy but yeah, I was yeah he's, there's the, he's pretty much a bad guy yeah he's he's definitely a bad guy wanting mm-hmm. to kill every single human on earth that's that's in that category people have justifications for their actions in most cases you know but yeah so what, what would be the justification for wiping out all of humanity what would be the proper one to make you a good guy to do that people who don't put their cart back in the grocery store parking lot that's, <laughs> that's, where, but that's, that's where the line is for me that's not all of humanity we're talking what would be the balancing factor to make you to what would you have to be doing it for to make it you're still a good guy hey sexy mama want to kill all humans <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking. You're the one that posited, you know, that there's justification. Yeah, Joel. I'm, I'm not saying it's, you know, that I, like I said earlier, that it's not like the best reason, but at least it gives him some sort of a character arc, some sort of a, a reason behind what he's doing that you can understand. It's his motivation. It's it's extreme, like I said, but it is something <laughs> that you can kind of uh, sympathize with. I mean, at Tell least it's one about it... Dracula. At least it's an ethos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least it is a motivation because, I mean, that is one thing that I've never really liked about a lot of, you know, evil guy plots to destroy the world. They never really give a reason why. Like, why do you want to destroy the world? Why not just rule it? Why do you want to blow it up? Yeah. Then nobody wins. All in all, I think for an animated video game feature show, they do an amazing amount of digging and uh, character exposition and character development for each of the each of the mains. I'm guessing a lot of Easter eggs for people who are fans of the game, especially when they go to the Belmont repository or whatever with all the the Artics and Relifat. <laughs> Artix <Relifats>? and Relifat <laughs> and Relics. Good lord, what the hell? Relifat. Uh yeah, there actually is. The first one that I noticed was the fact that uh when uh Dracula moves a castle, the device, the magic device that he uses which is kind of like a uh, fancy floating 3d d20 mm-hmm. is actually the save spot for symphony of the night oh good catch it's been a long time since i've played symphony of the night yeah and i mean when you compare this to another recent video game adaptation show we did with mortal Kombat, you know they're as I had talked about in that episode, the the storyline doesn't translate very well to a, a film with the the you know the way that they portrayed that story over the course of all the games. Whereas this plays out well and could lend itself to other series potentially with other Belmonts, you know, because it's that deep, you know, there's that much history in it, and it makes sense or it seems to anyway with what I've learned in this short amount of time. Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff that like the changes they made from canon were fine like and i'm not a huge fan of changing things from canon but i get i didn't see anything i was like oh shit well they really dropped the ball with this yeah 
No, it, I think they're doing a great job of it. I think they've, you know, Belmont's, you know, the the fact that he pretty much would rather just stay drunk all the time. And, you know, her, uh, what's her name again? I just lost her name. Sifa? Sifa. Sifa? Uh, yeah, I, I was hearing, I watched a bunch today and I still can't remember how to pronounce it. Yeah, I mean, she's bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and rapidly getting slapped down to the realization of what's going on in the world. Where in the meantime, you've got Alucard, who's just kind of like, did you guys not know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're going up against Dracula. How are you surprised by any of this stuff that's happening around you? Oh, the other that was the I other... I uh, right. Oh, I was going to say the other Easter egg is when Alucard and Belmont uh, uh, Trevor are fighting the, the group of monsters, the first monster that they go up against is that... Or that Trevor goes up against is the... Uh, uh, lizard bird with the lance and the gargoyle from the first uh, boss from Cynthia the Night. Hmm. So, if I remember correctly, Sypha is the basically the mother to the next generation of Belmonts. Spoiler. Yeah, I, I could be off on that because I didn't finish the series either, but I could have sworn that she's the love interest that ends up like, yeah, continuing well, the line. She does her final battle pregnant, so. You know, once, yeah, there you go. Well, and I'm curious after seeing what happened at the end of season two, what the next two seasons are about. I mean, I, I don't know enough about the game to already have a preconceived kind of idea. So that's kind of what's keeping me interested now is because I'm kind of curious, where does it go from here? I have thoughts, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, the fact that death as a character me. won't pay, won't be important at all. Yeah. A little bit no. of a spoiler. Notice though. <laughs> so what about you, Pat? How how deep did you get into this? Uh, I I finished the first season and I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I very well might finish the whole run. Which I, is surprising. Well, I mean, I love vampires. I didn't realize that Castlevania was about vampires. I don't know. But an how, how anime, I, you know? Yeah, not, I'm, not I'm, really I thing. like but I, I like this animation. It's not like the, you know, the manga, 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 whatever, however you pronounce it, type of animation that I don't really care for, where, like, the fights are all, like, uh, people jumping through the air and, like, explosions happening behind them, and then they meet in the air, and, and then they land on the ground. I don't like that. And it these doesn't are, like, have... Real, they, oh, sorry. I was going to say, these look like real fights, and, like, the supernatural stuff looks really creepy and awesome. Like, the whole scene when, when he comes down and his face is in the fire and he tells them they have one year and all that stuff. that was some intense awesome shit so I, I, I talk a little bit with anime about like silly anime bullshit which is i think a lot of stuff that turns pat off for anime mm. um this doesn't really have any there's you're never gonna see a chibi trevor belmont like crying blood out of his eyes or getting a nosebleed because he saw someone topless right that's season three <laughs> castlevania jr <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really enjoyed. It. I, I didn't start watching it until today, and I found myself like sucked into it. And like, there was a, a you know, a moment when we, you know, when when Mike was late for recording, I didn't even realize it because I was just still watching the show. I didn't even realize it was already like eight ten. You know, dude. I'm just saying, like, I mean, it's it's it it was I, I was a lot more vet invested in it than I than I anticipated being. Yeah. Well, and I think I think keep going. You're it's gonna it's I know how you like world building. Mm -hmm. and this show has it in spades. Well, and they do a really nice job from episode to episode to 
end them on a cliffhanger, which is why I was surprised that the second to last episode of season two didn't do that. But they they leave you with it's like the old, you know, the old serials uh, that they used to have uh, in the movie theaters where, you know, it'd leave it on a cliffhanger and then you'd want to go back to see what happened next. And you didn't get out of the cock duty car. <laughs> that's exactly what they did with this show. <laughs> At the end of every episode, it left you with this moment where you're like, oh, shit, now I got to watch the next one. And thankfully, they're only a half an hour each. So it made it, you know, a little bite sized episode. <laughs> All right. So uh, we want to do thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know if we could do that for this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, for the the show, maybe. I don't know about the game, but yeah. I mean, we've we've certainly <clears throat> grafted a thumbs up, thumbs down onto things less appropriate than this. So yeah, yeah. Like our mime show. Yes, definitely have to go check out the mime show. Uh, for me, it's pretty obvious. This is I, I'm a massive fan, and I mourn the fact that Konami isn't doing stuff this good. So yeah, it's going to be a big thumbs up for me on both. Yeah, same for me. I'm I've always been a fan. I mean, like I said, the the first couple games caused my rage quit, you know, but drew me into that exploration type of video game. And it, I would love to see a video game built. I mean, almost kind of like, um, uh, Josh, what's the JRPG that has like the the hour long cutscenes, the sci fi one? Star Ocean? Maybe. Kirby? What? No. Oh. Anyway, anyway, but there's. I mean, I I would love to see a exploration adventure game built that would be built around the show. You know, give me four seasons of cutscenes and build a game into it, and I'm happy as a clam. That's a clam. Is that making a, a pearl? <laughs> that's, that's not a clam. That's, no, no, no. Then make a clam noise. Oyster. Some no, sort no, no. of shellfish. I want to. I want to hear the expert on clams. Tell me what the clam. What noise the clams make? You must uh, have been talking about Star Ocean, right? No, it's the one where the the little kid turns out to be God, and the the KOS Cosmos is the one robot. That Xenosaga? Xenosaga, yeah. That's I was going to say, the reason I thought Star Ocean, because it's famous for having a 46-minute long cutscene. Oh, uh, Xenosaga, <laughs> actually, in Xenosaga 3, they put out a special DVD that had only the cutscenes, and it was four and a half hours long. Well, yeah, I'm talking about, well, Xenosaga has a 25-minute cutscene, but uh, <laughs> Star Ocean literally has the longest cutscene in video game history, 46 straight minutes for one cutscene. That's crazy. Anyway. Yeah. So if you... Uh, you have something to oh, wait. Did we get wait. to everyone? Hey, nope. I nope. didn't give a thumbs up, thumbs down. We I don't either. Care. Give us your thumbs. I don't have a thumb for the further than because I never played a game of theirs. Uh, but I would definitely give a thumbs up to the to the show. Yeah, for sure. Uh well, I mean, I'd definitely give a thumbs up to the original games that I did play. Uh, I had fun with it, uh, although it was frustrating. And the show, absolutely thumbs up. Yeah. All right, so if you have your thoughts about maybe something in the Castlevania universe that uh, we should have talked about and didn't, I, I want to hear about it. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. You can leave a voicemail and have me ignore it for a moment. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> yep, and if you want to hear more of the uh, voicemails that Josh has ignored over the years, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Blueberry Stitcher. We're on Amazon Music. We're all over the place. Download the Podbean app. You can leave us comments and give us ratings and stuff. And then if you'd also keep us going, we can always use a donation off of our Kofi links and uh, they're located in all of our show notes. You can go in there and buy us a cup of coffee. And Is it Kofi or coffee? Coffee, because then you buy a cup of coffee. It's Sepesh. <laughs> Shepeshi. Joe Pesci? Okay. <laughs> the Dracula okay. will be okay. played by Joe Pesci. Okay. Back, okay. Of, okay. back of the throat. Ah. Oh. 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 Oh.
Sing it. Sing it. And Sprite. So, Joel. Yo. What's on the docket for the next couple of weeks? What are we planning on doing? Uh, we're going to walk the plank and talk about some pirates. Eventually. Eventually. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, we're going to discuss the secret life of Walter Mitty. Uh, we're always going to remember uh, the Alamo. And we're going to talk about the 4th of July. One of our last remaining holidays we haven't covered. Yeah. Well, in the Arbor Day show. I don't know when that's coming. I remember trees. Tree o'clock. That tree 30. How, how do you dad joke so well and not have any children that you know of? Because <laughs> I'm a corny dude, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I have to go with that. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> I inhale those Stroop waffles. Those are like, those are good. They're so You're fucking to good. Chew them. I I almost don't. Like I, I refuse to buy them because I just I yeah they're just so good. I eat them. So, I'll, I'll buy this little five stack and I'll like eat one a day for the next five days. Half an hour later, okay, I need to buy another five stack. <laughs> I ate them all. I'm a sad pet. <laughs> Hmm. And then there was the time I, I went to World Market and I specifically uh, I bought a pack for me and I bought one for Michelle because she'd never had one and I'd told her about them. And on the drive home, I just ate hers.
victory.